So I've had a couple weeks. Um, last week we had a COVID exposure Ooh. and uh, the person that we were exposed to had gotten their booster uh, three weeks prior. So keep that in mind, everyone who thinks the booster keeps you from getting the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so stressed out from that and just staying home and looking at everything. And then we decide, well, we got time on our hands. Why don't we start doing our taxes? And so we start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I do like some freelance stuff, which means I just get paid straight the amount, no tax withholding. So I'm always going to owe something. Yep. Good old contract labor. Yep. But this year it was uh, a shocking amount. <laughs> so, <laughs> and like, I, you know, we, we would prefer to pay taxes. Like I'm not, I'm definitely not someone who's like trying to get through all these loopholes and stuff because I, believe in a system that you know people put into and then you can get out of it it would be nice if we got anything out of it right but you know (laughs) i'm building up a surplus of (laughs) capital for the government i suppose so uh that was not fun news and i think that was on monday and i started like getting you know real stressed out about it and i try not to stress about it because like we're you know fine and you know Art business is kicking, you know. Um, <laughs> not really. Now that you've NFT'd everything, you're you're rolling. <laughs> you're rolling in the dough. That's probably why the taxes were so high. But I thought the whole idea <laughs> yeah. of the NFTs is to get around the tax man. So somewhere you fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> I should not have declared <laughs> everything. What what is the yeah like? Uh, each NFT is backed by the FDIC. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just in case someone stole my <laughs> someone stole my NFT. Well, the FDIC has you insured for up to a hundred thousand dollars for every NFT you purchased. Um, and so then you know I got, I don't know I didn't, not that I've consciously had panic attacks or whatever, but like as we were trying to fall asleep, I felt like I was having a small one. My heart was beating quite fast. And like, I couldn't calm down. And then I was like, oh, it's okay. That just means I'm dying. And I was like, nope, <laughs> nope. That's what big panic wants just, you to just think. take solace in this dying. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, whenever like I feel whenever I'm laying down, maybe I'm in an altered state and I think perhaps I'm dying. I always think, well, at least I'll be the first person to die this way. Then they can research my body and warn other people. <laughs> you quickly write a note and staple it to your chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, this is for research. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Eric. Welcome to Jackass. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my will and testament. Uh, so then Tuesday, I was like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta like chill. Um, so I decided to go to the ocean and, uh, try to surf. We haven't been able to surf as mentioned, geez, like four months ago, there was an oil spill. Yep. Um, that oil is a sticky wicket, isn't it, Eric? (laughs) Then another oil spill happened. It just doesn't doesn't want to seem to just like you know, get mixed up with the water table and just disperse. I don't know. I don't, something weird about it. Yeah. So it was, 
it, it had been a long time coming and every weekend that we were like oh maybe we can do it the the tide was like opposite of how we enj- we like to surf like we usually prefer incoming tide mm-hmm. so like going right at low tide um because the beaches we go to like the way that the kind of sandbar and stuff is the waves will get really weak on outgoing tide so it's just not enough to like push you oh yeah 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 so um it was like a good enough time um low tide was like at 10 so i was like okay well i'll I'll go out there and try and relax and um i'm not one to like you know meditate or anything or like my relaxation is like doing stuff but as i was out there i was like you know um paddled out and just kind of waiting on the right set to kind of come in spoiler alert i didn't surf very well but that's beside the point um that's just me um so it wasn't a record day (laughs) (laughs) no no aerials uh so i was out there floating and then i'm like staring out at the ocean because you just you look for you know the waves coming in Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i see like just this giant like spurt of water come up and i was like oh cool like a dolphin but then it starts to move and i see this entire like gigantic back Mm -hmm. and from what i can tell looking at like whale profile images it looked like a gray whale um which is like you know a pretty big size whale and it Mm -hmm. was like one to 200 feet away it was fairly close and i was just staring right where it came up um and i was the closest one out of any of the surfers in the water to it so it was very cool to see and in in that moment of staring at this whale all of my worries and concerns were still there they were still (laughs) (laughs) you did you didn't that didn't all vanish away and you realized ah finally i'm one with nature this is what the intended purpose of man was (laughs) (laughs) no uh so i just wanted to share that because i think a lot of people think oh all i need is some magical spiritual sign or whatever let me tell you it's it doesn't happen to all of us. <laughs> you needed to read more Thoreau. I think that's what this is. All all of us all we're learning is that you didn't read enough Thoreau in high school to really understand the beauty and oneness that you can be when you get back to nature. Um <laughs> and maybe you just need to go contemplate a little bit of time, lock your you know, surrender to the authorities, get locked up in prison for a couple of years and just think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, all right. Yeah, I'll try. What's never ending to find a beginning that came before everything? Like kids with Dakotas discover the wonder in the ordinary. Oh, 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 oh,
try to embezzle some of this NFT money. <laughs> well, well, I think I think that's just doing NFTs. I don't think you have to try to embezzle it. I think that is just the that's what it is. I, it's not like a uh, you have to do an extra thing. <laughs> no embezzle. secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's step one. <laughs> <laughs> When, when, like we talked about, uh, you know, when, when Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton can go on there and tell you, you have to buy these things. They're so great. I personally recommend you buy this product. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also, I, I enjoyed, uh, IJB covering that. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause, cause TC found out about the, the neo-Nazi origins and he was, he was texting me about it. He's like, have you heard about this? I was like, yeah, Eric told me a couple days ago, he sent me the article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which we, I don't think we mentioned it on the episode. No. We could have could have been ahead. Um but <laughs> but I really enjoyed uh Jake calling the actor from Parks and Rec uh a fascist <laughs> instead of <laughs> recognizing it's a totally different person. It's not Billy Eichner, it's Steven Crowder that is the change my opinion guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, they're probably all doing it, you know. Yeah, they're they're all they're all grifting. Yeah, we watched well, TC and I watched uh, the Alanis Morissette documentary about Jagged Little Pill on HBO, and um, there's like a guy. Part of her making it big and like mainstream music. So she was like a pop sensation in Canada or whatever before, you know, uh, teen pop sensation. Did all the mall tours and all that. But when she was going to, for the next step to make it super big, she got recognized by Madonna's subsidiary label. Like Madonna had her own label at that time. And one of the, the head of Madonna's wing of the label was the one who got her signed. And it turns out that that guy <laughs> is also one of the originators of the Board Ape Yacht Club. <laughs> no way. So we were like, wow. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like a slime ball, but yeah, I guess it makes sense. It all makes sense. <laughs> huh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's surprising. I saw, too, the, um, the I would say maybe not fascist in and of itself but the uh, uh fascist accepting uh trucker protest in canada yeah yeah uh, um, yeah <laughs> i i i saw that they're planning a similar um protest i guess in the u.s and truckers are planning it like surrounding the stadium they're gonna the find they're gonna find four trucks to start a protest in the u.s yeah. too it would be it would be interesting. Um, I mean, there's not really transportation. That's the thing. I saw somebody mention that there's not really solidarity on the right, which is uh, at least one kind of, you know, silver lining. Um, but I can't remember when was the last time in the U.S. that any transportation worked in like solidarity on a a protest or anything. Like I feel like those days are. Long gone. There was real recently we not truckers, but you had the people that wouldn't unload the certain ships at the shipyard. Yeah, um, yeah, that's one. Um, I in in the UK or in uh, Europe, 
I read this morning that they were worried about similar trucker convoy protests from, you know, nation to nation in the EU clogging up their commerce. So they've gone to all of the uh, border crossings between countries like France and Germany and stuff, and they've set up uh, patrolled stations to keep those things open so they can't be blockaded because of their concerns over potential far-right trucking type of things that were going on in Canada going on over there. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, Europe can definitely get that stuff done. They they have a sense of... I mean, that's, that's the problem with the U.S. There was free real estate for so long that there was no... <laughs> people weren't butting up against each other and needing to... Um, work together to get things done but that's not today today is sneezing yeah sneezing which is it's a perfect episode i'm so glad we planned it for last week because we have a fire today yes uh i i you told me about about your fire which was perfect to uh the the other side of the yin to our yang of our of our frozen city so (laughs) it all worked out perfect this is a podcast of fire and ice. Yes, yeah, just just like George R. R. Martin would have wanted. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, so sneezing. Th- I put sneezing on the list just because uh, it was interesting to me one time when, uh, or it was during the pandemic, early on the pandemic, and I was trying to do a little bit of research just on like transmission because we had talked a lot of, in the early days about like... Uh, masks and like how much transmissibility comes from droplets from your mouth and all that and I was researching just even on the like Apple podcast app just I wanted to know some of the evolution of sneezing or like the science of sneezing and there was like two podcasts ever in history that had, <laughs> that seemed like it ever even tackled the topic I was like <laughs> wow this seems like someone would have talked about it um, and Part of that is uh, people thought that this was kind of a settled science for a long time. And, you know, no nothing more to research or figure out here. We, we know what's going on. We don't necessarily know why or how to control it, but we know how it works and like the mechanism. So, you know, science done and dusted with this. Um, but part of the interesting thing was like in the last... Uh, eight years, there's actually been quite a bit of development on the research on this. Um, So that was pretty interesting to find, especially when it came down to, like we talked about um, over the summer in our census series, we talked about the cilia, the little fiber-like hairs that are around the cell membranes that exist inside your nose and your throat and even on your tongue and other places. Um, some of the research on how those hairs operate to different stimuli and then correspond to initiating a sneezing involuntary reaction, some of those studies weren't even done until like 2012. And then like the follow-ups on those studies weren't even done until like 2015 and 2017. So there is actually come some kind of new stuff on the on the understanding of this, which was kind of interesting to learn. Yeah, it's it's weird that there's, I mean, sneezing is something that like you, you almost don't even think of, like you only consider it when it's happening. Mm-hmm. So I can certainly understand why there's not a whole lot of, you know, 
past research in it. Um, but like anyone who has like animals, I don't know, probably cats sneeze, right? Like they cats definitely sneeze. I had chickens when I was a kid and they would sneeze. <laughs> well, that was just cause you were culturing the bird flu. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but like our dogs sneeze all the time and it's, it's one of those weird things that, I mean, I definitely notice it because they do it after they're playing like mm. if they're like growling at each other and like biting and doing like tug of war and stuff they just start sneezing afterwards and so it's weird that it's like this behavioral thing too it, mm. it has this totally physiological um purpose to it but it also has this behavioral aspect and then even in human culture has like kind of kind of weird cultural aspects and stuff to it so it is something that i don't know it's it's a strange one (laughs) yeah the well the the evolution side of it being that yeah we all thought or it was basic sort of just common common knowledge or the common sense aspect of it oh we sneeze because we get like allergens or dust or viruses or bacteria or whatever up in our nose and our body naturally wants to get rid of that, so it sneezes. And the sneeze is a function of trying to generate enough pressure to really blow that crap out of your face. Um, so that all makes sense. But that's not necessarily the evolutionary origins. Like, that is a byproduct of of nature stimulating an involuntary response in our bodies. But if you think about it, like... Well, a fully evolved human being could have a lot of other ways of getting rid of uh, foreign objects from their sinus cavities. You wouldn't have to have like this involuntary process in order to make that happen. And then when you talk about how it's in prevalent in other animals, but also sneezing is not to get these foreign substances out of our body. It happens for lots of other different reasons. And a lot of that just has to do with... Um, the different nerves and how through evolution as we have gone through many adaptations and creatures all the way back from the earliest lizard brain creatures all the way up to now have this functionality the nerves that are inside of our faces and inside of our heads and inside of our noses inside of our throats inside of our stomachs um, those have all adapted for specialized purposes but they all go back in time like all the way to the beginning of the first organisms so as those different networks have evolved in different organisms there's a lot of cross wiring and there's a lot of you know entangled mesh networks of nerves that all sort of wait for the same stimuli to fire off or might fire off for a different stimuli, but it fires off the response that other people have towards like an allergy. Um, so, you know, this, there's just like crazy things like, uh, you have, you know, in, in our sexual organs, we have the ability to have erectile tissue and different nerve endings in that tissue, which also give us like pleasure and the release for like orgasm and give us that endorphin release. Those same tissues exist inside of your nose and inside of your throat, inside the roof of your mouth. And um, 
these things can be stimulated in the exact same way your sex organs are stimulated. So there are certain percentages of the population that sneeze as a as a combined effect of orgasm and things like that. Just because so many of your head and where all of this stimulation happens to cause a sneeze to happen is where like there's a huge cluster of nerves, like the highest density cluster of nerves in your body is right around here in your face. And those are all have signals to your brain. And sometimes the, the electrical signal like can follow more than one path. And when it does that, it stimulates different reactions. So you can have the certain percentage of the population that every time they come, they sneeze. <laughs> so it's like Will Smith. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's like a the mixing and mesh and everything is really interesting too, because the the way that like the nerve order is kind of thought of is that it it follows like the evolutionary tract almost Mm -hmm. um which i don't know it's not like i don't think extremely accurate to really categorize it that way but it is interesting that the sneeze reflex you know this is the nerve that is triggered during all of this and i guess we can go through like kind of the individual steps a little bit but yeah the I'll, nerve I'll let you is, pronounce the nerves. <laughs> the trigeminal nerve. Yeah, is it Tri- trigeminal or trigeminal? I think trigeminal. Okay. I actually didn't... I don't think I watched any videos for this one. Um, just read it. So it's going to be one of those where this is the epitome of <laughs> mispronouncing things. Uh, so, yeah, I think trigeminal... Trigeminal. Let's that one. The fifth cranial nerve. <laughs> That's why they numbered them. Um, but that one, it's the fifth cranial nerve. And as we spoke about in our senses episode, the the nerve uh, cranial nerve one is like your nose, like smelling one, mm-hmm. the one that you sense smells with and stuff. So it's very interesting that you have these two nerves that are separated by quite a few other nerves. Um, and it, you know, you can kind of think of it as like, well, obviously uh, smelling like detecting a chemical as we spoke about would be one of the first sort of senses to develop or nerve um, needed mechanisms. And then the need to expel stuff would come later. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing to really keep in mind, and this is, I always harp on this whenever we almost slipped out of my chair, <laughs> as we um, talk about like any evolution and stuff, is none of this is designed by purpose. Right. So the, and it's, it's I found it um, like extremely bad in the writing of sneezing because they're like, well, the purpose of it is this. Right. And um, the purpose for you closing your eyes is so you don't get other debris like <laughs> that you sneeze out into your eyes. And it's like, well, that is that is a function, a but that benefit. is not a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your, your, your body is not, 
involuntarily closing your eyes because it's thinking, man, wouldn't want to get these germs in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you could consciously think that right. and come to that conclusion. Your nerves don't do that type of communication, even though you thinking is your nerves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, does. yeah. Again, don't well, think about that. Or, or you con- your consciousness is you being aware of your nerves after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> right, but right, you can't right. Ca- you can't consciously cause these nerves to fire. You can't think about sneezing and cause a sneeze to happen. You can't be like, okay, I'm going to cause all of, my, all of my reflexive nerves to just fire all at once all over my body. Yeah. You, you can't do that. It's just not a thing that, that that's able to happen. And this... Uh, trigeminal nerve um trigeminal nerve it also has like a ton of branches so it's it's main oh what's the name i forgot whatever the main uh complex like the main section where all the nerves come together is like right above your ears mm-hmm. and you know in the middle of your head but it branches out really far and has other connectors and stuff and these go all over your face like down your almost like forming mutton chops up to your eyebrows Mm -hmm. and this is exactly why it's the exact same nerve um so if you are somebody who like plucks your eyebrows or something that can trigger a sneeze because it's the same nerve getting stimulated Mm -hmm. by that action and so it's it's kind of cool that it's, I mean, that's how you can know that none of this has like a design purpose behind it because what would be the purpose of sneezing whenever your eyebrows get tickled? <laughs> right. Well, and this is kind of an educated guess that just came to me now. I didn't research this, but I remember when I got my, when I got my wisdom teeth out, what was that? Back when I was 13 year, or 17 years old. And um, they had to, they were telling me they put like different electrodes on your face to like see if those nerves were still being stimulated because when they're like breaking up those wisdom teeth and then removing the little chunks, they, they, they have to be real careful that they don't damage any of those nerves because that could like paralyze part of your face or make it so that you can't chew very well or your jaw doesn't operate properly on one side. So they have to like hook these little electrodes up to it to make sure that those nerves are still firing and they didn't accidentally sever one or cut one or mess one up when they were removing your your teeth. Was did you have to like get your teeth broken up cuz I I at least don't remember that. I remember mine getting pulled. Like, yeah, mine were out. mine were impacted so they they broke them up and then took them out like that. Jeez. Yeah, I that was my uh first experience with sedation that was pretty great <laughs> i i told my parents that i wanted to watch uh this was before uh the surgery so they had already planned it and i was like i wanted to watch uh richard pryor stand up so they went to blockbuster and got some dvds <laughs> and went home and it was a family fun time watching richard pryor <laughs> um <clears throat> it's better than mine i just rem- i woke up and there was like a uh a big like ocean painting on the on the wall of the dentist office where I woke up like right in front of my face uh-huh. but um I was still out of it and so um 
Nikki and my mom told me that I was, I woke up, were like freaking out that I was being like covered in water. (laughs) 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 And they were explaining, no, it's just a painting. (laughs) I was like, ah, (laughs) I might drown if you don't get me out of this chair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised at how quickly like anesthesia makes things go by. And uh, my mouth was full of cotton, so I couldn't talk to the, you know, the, I guess the dentist wasn't there anymore, whatever, the surgeon. And uh, so I guess nurse or assistant, somebody was there. And uh, so I couldn't talk, but I wanted to ask them if we were done. So I just pulled the Sharpie out of my pocket and started writing on my arm. (laughs) And they're like, what are you doing? Communicating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, so the... The main like cascade and everything that this goes is pretty interesting and it makes sense because originally I was like, okay, well, I can have so much to research. I can research why does cold make you sneeze and why Mm -hmm. does, you know, light make you sneeze and all this kind of stuff. And essentially (laughs) it boils down, except for the light, to the membranes that you're talking about in your nose, um, they get triggered by an irritant. So that could be smoke or an allergen or, you know, whatever the, um, even cold, like your, there's not like a, a thing that goes and triggers it. There's not that chemical kind of reaction, like in the senses that we spoke about. It's just that your membrane gets irritated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can be a change in barometric pressure. It can be a change in humidity, dryness from a, from a humid environment to a dry environment. It doesn't necessarily have to be actual particulates that get up inside your nose and, and itch you and make you irritated. Yeah. And that, that stimulation triggers multiple things. Um, it causes like the release of histamine. Um, so that's why you take your like antihistamines. It's it's not to block like the allergen is not a histamine. Mm-hmm. The allergen causes a histamine in your own body. Um, and that's what makes your f- eyes water and your nose run, and then that will make you more likely to continue to sneeze, having more sneezing fits if you have yeah. more mucosal drainage inside your nose and all that. And the histamine is very interesting, um, but I'll get to that in a minute. Just like the the downstream effects of that. Um, but then your it stimulates the fifth cranial nerve and that sends a message to your uh, sneezing center. And that's where the your sneezing center nerve like literally just touches a bunch of other nerves. One being your, um, you know, your, what is it? Ophthalmic nerve. Yes. your visual one <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's literally just the like when you sneeze if you are a person that sneezes whenever you see light uh it's just because the signal is kind of jumping across as you were talking about mm-hmm. and that's um, a genetically inherited trait and 25 to 30 percent of the population that have that photo sensitivity crossover so looking in a bright light or being walking outside from a dark room into a bright lit day can trigger the sneezing uh response yeah i wonder why um 
whenever I have tried it, like whenever I feel a sneeze coming on and someone's like, look at a light so that way you can sneeze, uh, it always stops me from sneezing. Yeah, I that's see, that's the weird thing is like Nikki, whenever you're about to sneeze, she thinks you're supposed to look at a light to stop sneezing. And I haven't found oh. any research that that is a thing. That's got to be somewhere where the old wives tale got crossed up way back in the past or something. And so people think yeah. that, oh man, I need to stop this sneeze from happening because I don't want my soul to leave my body. So I got to hurry up and look at a light. I, I That's the only thing I can think of because I couldn't find any like uh, even mythological source of being like, yes, stare at a light so you prevent sneezing. I wonder if it's like... Uh that the light causes your your like visual nerve to be overstimulated and then your brain focuses on that yeah you're so overstimulated one. that it blocks it just you overload the system and so no no response happens yeah it can't be bright and sneeze <laughs> <laughs> this is surely an attack <laughs> um so then the sneezing center um triggers you know the the phase of your sneeze your brainstem causes your eyes to close. Um, but here's like a big one. You know, obviously kids would say you can't sneeze with your eyes open because your eyes will pop out. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> they won't pop out unless you're somebody who already has like can pop them out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can like pinch your nose and pop your eyes out or you can like flip your eyelid and pop it out because you have naturally loose eye sockets or those muscles are naturally loose so you can get them to pop out all the time yeah yeah it can cause uh your like veins to pop in your eyes <laughs> oh yeah. um it can so cause, can it can cause vascular eyes. explosion like all over your body if especially if you try to hold it in <laughs> yeah which <laughs> i mean i think we've had two years of that everybody wearing masks and if you're the person that takes your mask off to sneeze I will slap you in the face. <laughs> but I don't want to get all that snot inside my mask. <laughs> just be an adult and <laughs> just kind of do the, <clears throat> you know? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That can be bad, too. And I'll get to that in a minute. You you keep going with the whole sneeze, <laughs> okay. sneeze cycle here because the, the physiological, physiological cycle is pretty interesting. <laughs> well, so the, the why your eyes close, too, it's kind of... It's not, again, purposeful that your eyes close. This is like every every muscle in your body is constricting. And mm -hmm. that's the point is your brain is telling everything to, to tighten up because the way that you like sneeze is you, obviously you have to have some air in your lungs. Um, that's why like sneezing fits can hurt so much because you, you're just pushing on nothing. Um, but your body builds up that pressure by sucking it in and then closing off your windpipe and tightening all of your muscles mm -hmm. so that the pressure builds up, then it can suddenly release everything. Uh, and the, that muscle contract contraction is like the same type of maneuver that you do when like trying to unpop your ears or pooping or any of those sorts of things. So that's why it's dangerous to sneeze when you're, you know, in your 80s. Um, but it's the <laughs> same like process of just tightening everything. And so it's not 
again, it's it's like this very basic. That's how you can look back and be like, this doesn't have a purpose for these things because it's a very basic, just tighten everything up. <laughs> that's not very sophisticated. Yeah, and it's the tightening of the largest muscle grouping in your body. Like it's the tightening of your pectorals and your chest cavity and your lats and those big muscles that like line your torso. So it's not it's not even like uh, like your knee reflex where you have that quick little like tightening and release of your thigh muscle and your calf muscle. This is like the big this entire squeezing accordion apparatus of your body tightening up all around your lungs like as tight as they can go after you sucked in the biggest involuntary breath that you could and then once it's released it's the same thing as uh you can think of it in two ways one way i thought about it was like a pinball machine so in order to hit the pinball you have to draw back the plunger and the plunger is on a spring so very much this is you preparing for the sneeze is the drawing back of the plunger. You're generating all of this stored energy for a huge release. Then you release the plunger and all of that energy goes into the ball. Um, but it's also very much like uh, the blob that we used to jump on at church camp. Um, Everybody has had an experience with the blob and I never got to do it. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> You're just too young, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> That could be, but like the the moment of we're 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 containing this air pressure in this sack, but it's confined, and the sack is your lungs, and we're having a huge moment of release. So it's like sitting on a whoopee cushion or sitting on an inflated, stomping on an inflated balloon. Um, it all goes out at once. It's not a slow trickled release. It's not a okay. Let's let's dissipate this pressure around the body slowly. Um, or anything like that. It is an explosion, a violent explosion. Um, and so to, to where now that they have like high speed cameras, you can do, you know, thousands of frames per second and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't until the, the last uh, five or so years where they really started to clock the velocity of these sneezes and the power that comes from the from that event so like the average expulsion of the particles coming out of your mouth is 100 miles per hour and they give measure them up to like 600 miles per hour see this is <laughs> the other thing though i found a conflicting study that said it's only around 10 miles an hour like there's there's multiple studies on this and i don't get how they have such different like speeds uh, all the ones that I was watching were like the uh, the high speed cameras that were showing the the rates over scales and people like mm -hmm. sneezing across like a uh, a backlit thing so you could see the droplets. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so sort of MythBuster style, they were measuring it like that. I didn't see any that said it was only ten miles an hour, but you yeah, probably this was like better than I did. Uh, no, no, it was well, it was a live science article that linked to like this study, but they only studied like 10 people. Oh. Um, but, but that was the, that was the thing that I, cause I also saw like, you know, hundreds of miles an hour. Um, yeah. The, the so main I one know. I saw was like a study of 3,500 people. And I think it was from 2015. Yeah. That's quite a few people. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> 
it's it's weird too like with those visuals you can really see how to the the plume of air and water droplets and everything like this is why it's very important to wear a mask <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they can go very far um yeah. and then just because of how you know the large droplets can go very far and very fast but the small ones like the microscopic droplets of the mist that get expelled um i you know i saw in one one study depending on the environment you're in those things being sh- shredded so fine and such a fine mist can like hang in the air for up to a week <laughs> Not That's, that not that you could necessarily get sick from inhaling a bacteria or a virus that hung in the air for a week, but because of the the fineness of the nature of the particles, how small they get from a sneeze, um, some of that stuff can just float around f- for a long time before it settles. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's disturbing. Um, and the thing too that I found very fascinating is just how much it like it circulates. Yeah. <laughs> so it 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 just, you know, it doesn't just hang in this one spot. It then just kind of, you know, obviously but very um I don't know. um unsettlingly <laughs> it just moves around, floats around. You could be in the other aisle over and you know, have sneeze rain down on you. <laughs> it's like smoking in the club. You know, when you're like smoking in a club that's got like a lot of like black lights or uh, dark lights. And so you can see all the smoke hanging in the air from every exhalation. And you Mm -hmm. like notice how that like puff just like slowly wafts over the dance floor and then spread dissipates out and then like hovers as a cloud above the (laughs) above the whole club. (laughs) It doesn't just disappear. (laughs) Yeah, I. uh I mean, I'm trying. The one time I remember, um, the one time I, I obviously have seen plenty of people smoking in clubs, but the one time I certainly remember is I was seeing Rusco at the Lizard Lounge, and Rusco, big, uh, big pot user. Oh yeah, um, no way. And uh, <laughs> it's very funny because he, um, Dead Mouse, tried to get him removed from a show one time because he was smoking weed backstage Ugh. so that's that's dead how mouse cool is dead mouse is fuck dead mouse forever <laughs> um but rusco you know so it was like especially around this time this is like 2009 2010 um his brand <laughs> and uh this guy like was smoking a joint in the crowd and like you know the the bouncers at the lizard lounge were douchebags um Surprise, surprise, it's Dallas. <laughs> and, uh, but this one guy, I was like, you know, you're pushing your luck already smoking in there, but he, he climbed up onto like the, the kind of DJ booth stage area and handed his joint to Rusco, who took a hit and then handed it back to him. And then the guy just got dragged down <laughs> and out by the security. <laughs> oh. The last thing we want in our clubs is drug use. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> I remember I went there one time uh, and had like, this was like probably when I was in college. And so I had some glow sticks with me and uh, naturally they were, they were so 
Like when I went in high school, they had no problem. But then they suddenly decided we no longer want people doing ecstasy in here. So they like <laughs> were about to kick us out just for like cracking open <laughs> glow sticks. You guys like, must be rolling right now. There's no other reason why you would want to look at a glow stick. Yeah, they, I mean, I drove there <laughs> from Waco. Like I was not even drinking. Um, yeah, you should have been like, look, here's 21. my Baylor student ID. Obviously I'm sober. <laughs> but anyways um so the the mucus that you spew out of your nose uh that is like again the mucus is triggered by histamine release Mm -hmm. and histamine is just kind of like an inflammatory thing and it causes this mucus to roll down your nose and again the mucus is very beneficial yeah, it is um, not a sick. The mucus is not sickness. The mucus no. is a is a is an immune response to help prevent you from getting sick. Yeah, but it's also not purposeful. It's not saying we have to go capture this stuff. It has just been beneficial that it goes, rolls down your nose, and then anything that would still be there, like an irritant, sort of surrounds it and sucks it into its mm-hmm. uh, warm arms, its warm embrace. And so that's, you know, why you would then blow your nose. Um, so that's kind of the whole sneeze process. And it again, it's very basic. Like the, <laughs> that's what's so interesting about it is it's like this whole thing that we have all of this, you know, like there's an industry around sneezing essentially (laughs) (laughs) but it's just this super basic process of like getting stuff out of your nose because it irritates it and it goes i mean iguanas do it other lizards do it other amphibians do it like this it's a thing that goes back you know probably before we crawled out of the ocean and so to figure out like the evolutionary advantage for why necessarily it was chosen or as a thing that then persists in so many different organisms on so many different branches of the tree of life, you know, there's different theories. Um, I was reading this one from a guy who's talking about more of it from a human standpoint, but the idea that we've talked about how um, humans have one of our advantages in evolution was our our brains, but the sort of trade off is that you have to have uh, pre gestated uh, infants. Basically, they have to complete their gestation over many years outside of the womb after they're born because you can't give birth to something that would necessarily have that type of cranial space fully developed. And thus, there is no way for an infant child that is still gestating outside of the womb to clear its nasal pathway or anything like that. So potentially, this is something that goes back to uh, the earliest offspring that don't have the ability to necessarily uh, take care of themselves And so this was an involuntary response 
And the babies that had this involuntary response naturally survived better than the babies that didn't have this involuntary response. And thus, that's why this is a persistent thing in, in our evolutionary history. Of course, that is from a human perspective, but it also would have to go back before that for it to be present in iguanas and amphibians and everything else. So you have to figure out, is this just a evolutionary baggage type thing that we figured out some type of useful role for in our day-to-day life so that's why it's hung around was it did it have like a totally different purpose or not purpose but totally different functionality early on in the evolutionary history were the cilia on the cells that stimulate this in human beings operating some other role And now we still have those things that hang over and they cause this type of involuntary response in us, but maybe they caused, they were doing something else for earlier organisms that were where they needed this type of, um, this type of reaction. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't have too much like on the evolutionary side of it just because it is. I don't know. I can't imagine. It's tough to study, you know, it's tough to know because it's very behavioral. Um, and it's, and it's so widespread across the animal kingdom. It's tough to be like, oh, well, obviously we're all getting this from penguins cause <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you can look at like, uh, coral and stuff too. And I mean, I feel like you could probably find a sneeze type reflex or whatever for them because they're constantly filtering stuff through so but they're doing it with cilia so i don't know um but yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird one um i found like the the thing that sort of looped it in with stuff too was um that it's it's one of the positive feedback loops that we have in our body Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting so like a negative feedback loop is one that we're much more familiar with. Um, like your your body gets hot, so then it starts to sweat and that evaporation causes your body to decrease. So the the stimulus, you getting hot, causes something to happen that then reduces uh, that, I don't know, the stimulus more. Mm-hmm. Like you get cooler. So that's why you don't, whenever you start sweating, you don't continue to constantly sweat more and more until you die of dehydration. Right, right. Um, same thing in the opposite way. You, your body gets cold. So then you start shivering um, <clears throat> and your you know blood vessels constrict and everything. And then your body temperature rises. So those are negative feedback loops. It's very basic stuff whatever happens causes it to stop happening essentially Mm -hmm. a positive feedback loop is one where the cascade keeps building and building and building to such a high point that it only takes like a massive collapse for it to stop um and it's we have like a ton of positive feedback loops but it's um one like that obviously you could have problems with if you had hemophilia but if you have a blood uh, vessel that tears your platelets start to cling to the tear 
and they release a chemical which causes more platelets to attach, which then release the same chemical to cause more platelets to mm-hmm. attach. And the only thing that stops it is there's like a clot formation where there's just a collapse and no more signal for the platelets to attach. And then you have a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Goes great when it happens in a leg vein. Oh, no. <laughs> so... The amplification process essentially just keeps building and building and building. And this is, as you were saying, um, you have like these same tissues all over your body. So it's in your nose, your body like gets this sensation and it starts building until there's like a collapse. It's not as strong of a positive feedback loop because you don't sneeze every time Mm -hmm. it gets irritated. Um, But this is like the same type of positive feedback loop as you were saying, like in like sexual arousal and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's why like it's, it builds up to a point where it takes this massive collapse to no longer have it. It's the same as like childbirth. Like, can you imagine if just halfway through childbirth, it just stopped? (laughs) like, (laughs) Or just slowly ramped down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, so it's, it's very interesting that like these, these things that we have in our body, um, are, you know, I can see here I am like wanting to say designed to do this stuff. They aren't designed to do it, but it's, it works out really well that they, you have this stuff where it's almost like not dangerous, but you could imagine if you were planning stuff out on like how a body should work you would not want things ramping up to such a degree that they're out of control. That you have to explode in order to get them to stop. (laughs) Exactly. It is like all of our explosion, sort of. But, Uh, but But you do get that awesome endorphin release after the explosion. (laughs) Like, did you (laughs) ever watch... feel good. Did you ever watch Third Rock from the Sun? Uh, Only slightly. So, I think it's like the very first season, but... You know, the premise of the show, aliens from a different planet come and pretend to be humans on planet Earth to get what the human experience is like and report back to their plant, home planet. And uh, one of the one of the first episodes in season one, they one of them sneezes <laughs> and they're like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, but I want another one. <laughs> and so they spend the whole rest of the episode trying to figure out what it was and how to get more of them because it felt so good. <laughs> how did he sneeze if they didn't know what a sneeze was? Well, they were they were al- they were aliens in human in human bodies. Oh, so okay. they experienced a human a human reflex. And they had no idea. They had never had that reflex in their experience. So they're like, oh my god. What the heck were was they that? Like little tiny aliens? No, no, they Did, were they were actually human beings. They're like aliens in human bodies. It's like Scientology. Okay, <laughs> so they're spirits. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So why is it bad to hold your sneeze in? Well, <clears throat> I have a little personal personal story from the last couple weeks that I can that I can give you a little anecdotal evidence um I was uh trying to change an air filter on at my new place and I couldn't really find where it was and it's this weird like uh LG air conditioning system that has these replaceable or uh 
reusable filters, but it's up in this like spot in my ceiling where it's really tough to get in. You got to like crawl in this little, uh, 18 by eight little rectangle to get in there. And you got to kind of hang from the ceiling in order to reach over to it. And I was reaching for it and messing with it and I finally got it out. And so everything was good. And then about 30 minutes later, my whole back and my side of my ribs that, you know, the ribs go around to your back. You got ribs, <laughs> back ribs that, that started really hurting on my, on my side. And I was like, crap. And I think what happened was, uh, cause I was like suspended in there. I kind of had to put all my weight on my rib cage to really reach over and I think mm-hmm. at some point I either bruised or like slightly fractured that rib because like at some point all my body weight was just on that side of my rib cage. So I was like, crap, well, this is going to suck. And then um, like I guess it was three or four days later, I got COVID and then I started sneezing like crazy all the time. And I will here to tell you, the worst thing you can do if you have like any kind of rib injury is sneeze. Like you, you'll be ready to end your life. You'll, you just, oh, no. you'll just say, just, I, I'd rather die <laughs> than do this again. And, um, so it, I like after the first couple sneezes where I just let out the full achoo and it hurt really bad. I was like, okay, well maybe if I don't want to feel that anymore. So the next sneezing fit I had, I tried to suppress it. No, no, that is bad. That is worse. (laughs) That is much, much worse than just letting it go (laughs) because like it felt like, uh, like the, uh, the old cartoon where, where Jerry forces Tom to like swallow an entire like a bomb or, or stick of dynamite. (laughs) And then you see like the stick of dynamite explode inside of his stomach and smoke come out of his ears. That's basically what it's like. (laughs) If you try to suppress a sneeze, when you have a rib cage injury, just go ahead and commit suicide. I, I don't know what else to tell you. It's not, <laughs> don't do it. It's not fun. But that got me researching about it. And I was like, man, well, did I actually hurt myself on when I was doing the thing or did the sneeze injure me? And that's when I remembered, oh, I totally forgot when Sammy Sosa was on the Texas Rangers that he sneezed so bad that he broke a rib and missed like two months because he suppressed a sneeze and he broke one of his ribs. And that's when I started doing the research and being like, wow, people have caused like hemorrhages in their bodies. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, like uh, basically like ult- not like a, like a hernia, but not in your abdomen, like hernias in other spots from, from, yeah. the, from sneezing. And basically you get protrusions of your organs through your muscle cavity that has been compressing your body together. If you try to hold it in, your organs might poke through those muscle walls <laughs> and then you get hernias and you have to have surgery to repair them and stuff. Jeez. So yeah, suppressing sneezes, don't, don't do it. Even if you're trying to be polite, like you're you're in a in an elevator full of people during a pandemic, man, just cup that elbow around your face and sneeze as hard as you can because the the downside of the other way, I I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy after experiencing what I experienced <laughs> last week. <laughs> Did you get the rib looked at, or are you? No, no. Why would I? I don't need to do. I mean, what I mean, are they there's not do? really anything you can. They're going to tell they you. Okay, do? Like, well, don't put a cast on my rib. I'm yeah. just going to have to like, 
you know, keep remembering not to roll on that side in my sleep because I keep waking myself up. Like I'll, I'll roll to that side and it'll immediately wake me up because I'll feel it again. Uh, it's yeah, stupid. The, stupid rib cage injuries are the worst. Rib cage and back injuries are also um, like the the worst afflictions to have whenever you need to take dogs out. <laughs> that is, <laughs> I mean, maybe some other bit, somebody else has a well trained couple of dogs, but um, mine like to. I mean, every day I'm crucified as. One goes one direction and one goes the other. <laughs> do they do the move where you've got them in opposite hands, but then they, they crisscross in front of you, so then you know they wrap your arms around your body, you get twisted <laughs> up? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the um, what are they called? Leads? Leashes, right? Yeah. Okay, for some reason I thought a collar was a leash. You're, you're the dog owner, not me. That's a good point. Um, so the leashes we have, they've got like little clips right by the handles. So I've actually got a carabiner <laughs> that ah. keeps them connected. So at least my one hand isn't split every single day. <laughs> um, but then, you know, one likes to go to the left while the other is going straight. And then the one, they're both um, like herding type dogs. And so they love to then walk behind you. Yeah, I was going to say, they go keep getting you. behind you and they're forcing you forward on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I've, I'm just constantly stepping back over the leash. <laughs> Should just get one of those where you just hook the carabiner to your belt and go jogging and see if the dogs keep up with you. Or skateboarding. Man, I, I don't know uh, how people do the running with dogs thing. Obviously, they train them from the time they're puppies, but... um. Yeah, that that seems so dangerous. <laughs> You're either going to kick them or trip over them. Uh, we do have whenever we take them for walks, um, like you know, long walks, hiking kind of stuff. We've got these leashes that are that clip around your waist, like like there's a clip on it, so it it doesn't like clip to a belt loop. It can then rotate all the way around you, and. Uh, it also has like a scrunchy kind of aspect to it, but they, they stretched that out too much already. <laughs> so now we've just got like a 10 foot leash that's attached to our waist, but those are not too bad. Cause then you can walk hands free. I felt like such a dork, like the first time doing it. But then I was like, well, <laughs> no, this is, this is genius. Why work harder? Yeah. <laughs> You're just walking down the street with your hands behind your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always want to like, you know then be like, well, then I could have a coffee. But then, no, it's uh, like Dan on the scooter. Yeah, it will yeah, be all over no, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, well, I want a small coffee, put it in a large cup. A small <laughs> coffee, only the small coffee amount, but you're going to need to put it in a large cup. A big cup. Well, sorry, <laughs> we keep inventory on the cups, not the coffee. <laughs> oh, so true. Um, so other fun sneezing stuff. I was going to ask you about... Uh, what it was like when you would sneeze in Japan? Did you get the same "God bless you" gazuntite type of reaction that you get here, or is it a totally different cultural experience? Uh, well, as you know from whatever act in the 1940s, gazuntite is illegal to say in the U.S. Um, oh, I didn't know. Can't speak German. But oh still. shit! Ex is that only if you're in NASA? <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. It's probably like sodomy in Texas. 
Yeah. You just keep adding um, on the law. You don't ever take away laws. You just keep adding on new ones. <laughs> well, but they hate big government. <laughs> right. Um, so the thing in Japan is one, no. Uh, well, sometimes. <laughs> the answer is no, sometimes. Um, it would be, I would get like a bless you or God bless you if it was someone who was trying to like be polite knowing that I'm, you know, white. Oh, they saw a white um, person. So they're like, this is what white people want to hear. <laughs> I, that's not even a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there, there would be some people that would like, you know, say God bless you or something, but it would, it would be like, have to be a conscious decision. It's not a, a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I I hate saying bless you or God bless you. (laughs) So it was a reprieve to live there and not have to ever even talk about religion. It's great. (laughs) Um, It's it's amazing living in a country where like, you know, 80% are Buddhist, 80% are Shinto, and 100% are atheist. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Just do a little math here. (laughs) (laughs) There's some crossover. <laughs> um, but the the thing that I was, I don't know, it wasn't a culture shock thing, but I was like, what? Is the the like kind of cultural belief in, uh, this is true for some other East Asian cultures as well. I keep hitting my mic today, so that might be on the recording. Um, sneezing means somebody is talking behind your back. There's like a rumor about you. Ah, okay. And uh, the number of sneezes can sometimes, I don't know if this is for everybody, but it can dictate what the rumor is. Like if it's one sneeze, then people are saying good things about you. Two sneezes, people are saying bad things. Three sneezes, uh, someone is in love with you uh, or you may fall in love soon. And four sneezes means there's going to be a catastrophe upon <laughs> you or your family. <laughs> so sneezing is just a magic eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was, uh, that was one. And then the other question I got often, I'm, I'm thinking that it was sneezing. It may have been something else, but, um, I would sneeze sometimes at work and, a coworker, I've mentioned her before, but she's a it was a little eccentric on some stuff. Um, so I don't know if this was accurate for many people, but she would just turn around and be like, "Are you cold? We can turn the heater on." <laughs> and like, I know that you can sneeze from cold, but being cold in an office is not the same as like walking outside into the you know the blizzard. <laughs> so uh, here's my other question was. Were you sneezing in a very bold, brash American way? And is there like a a cultural way of sneezing that's different in Japan versus like our experience? Like for me, it's totally involuntary, but I do the very uh, uh, stereotypical large ah chew. And it's involuntary because like... The ah is the inhale part, and my jaw muscles are so clenched when the release happens that there's no way I can make any other sound but a CH sound when the air expels from my mouth. And mm. that's from the research. Like I saw, like that's the reason why it's achu. And they even have like a sneezing syndrome that they've turned achu into an acronym for because science loves acronyms. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that so I was so I wondered, especially after I was sharing self-immolation videos with Jake on our group thread that was you about uh, <laughs> the Italian guy burning himself and what it sounds like when someone in Italian is on fire. What does it sound like in Japan when someone sneezes? Do they give the achu or is it a totally different sound? Well, for me personally, I do not do a big, I do sneeze. Like actually, I think we should get some tissues and have some sneezing on the record just to, <laughs> um, but the, the sneeze that I do is, I would say, probably a a subnormal sound because uh, my stepdad would do the gigantic sneeze that would wake you up if he was on the first floor across the house and you were all the way on the other side. Like, it's just a scream. <laughs> um, but he is also... Uh, needs attention kind of person <laughs> he adds some drama some dramatic flair <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he uh yeah he would sneeze so large that that um i would contemplate things um but <laughs> i do not sneeze too large in japan um not that i recall too many sneezes but because you're so closely packed um, you know, whether it's in an office or, uh, the train or something, people do like keep it like not in, but it is a much more like, like kind of, you know, um, <laughs> um and a, everyone, a more, a more subdued yeah, <laughs> reverence. <knee. laughs> well, I mean the, like Japan is a culture too, where people would wear a mask if they were feeling sick. Right, right, right. Like long before the pandemic um so typically it would also be people who like already had a mask on because they you know sneezed in the morning and then they're like well i don't want to make everybody else sick on the train so i'm gonna wear a mask mm -hmm. um, imagine and so it's way more subdued but then the other thing is like a lot of uh men who are like probably 40 and above have handkerchiefs oh. and oh, so this so is that is not to like, they wouldn't blow their nose like on the train unless you, you know, you absolutely have to. Like everyone understands if you like have got to blow your nose, um, but they'll like, you know, use that to kind of cover mm. if that makes sense. Um, and then wipe their whole face and put it back in their pocket. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then the other thing, that's great about like Tokyo is if you walk into like the, the popular parts, everyone who's advertising anything like a, a, like a steak restaurant to like a bar to an arcade or whatever, they all put their advertisements on little packets of tissues. Mm. Like it's got like maybe five to 10 tissues in it. So everyone's also got kind of tissues and stuff. So you can kind of like quickly, pull it out and like cover your mouth so that way it's even more covered up and stuff. So the culture of it is definitely not trying to spread it to other people. It's definitely not like a a show show off <laughs> moment. <laughs> I'm going to have the most powerful sneeze and then everyone all the girls are going to think I'm the coolest cuz my sneezes was the loudest. <laughs> yeah, I uh Yeah, it's it's definitely not 
not that big of a thing. We were watching a TV show um, that was testing all the different, it's like a late night show. So they were testing the different types of fabrics you could use for a mask. And they were testing all different types of, well, they were testing it by having the guy put flour in his mouth and then making himself sneeze. Oh, okay. And then quickly putting on the fabric to see what it was. (laughs) But they were testing all different things from, uh, lace underwear to like <laughs> plastic bags and stuff. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that is to say the, the public is well informed on what type of, uh, you know, material to wear. Uh, yeah. When I was looking up the other cultural sort of significance or how other cultures have dealt with sneezing, cause you know, it's something we've been doing the entire history of human humans. So there is, you know, some, uh, uh, like mythology associated with it. A lot of it comes from like Greek and Romans and things like that. But most of it is just like, uh, well wishing. Like if, uh, if you sneeze, it's somehow like a good omen or, uh, the, the interesting thing about it was that because it was one of the first recognized involuntary actions like it people really associated it directly with deities and gods or spirits from the get-go because it was one of the very first things where humans were like oh this is something we can't just do on purpose like it is a totally involuntary thing. If someone sneezes, it's because a god made them do it, or a demon made them do it, or a deceased relative is is possessing them or trying to give them a message. Because no one could just sneeze. Like that's not a, like a natural human thing to do. So it is interesting that through multiple different cultures going back ten thousand years, you have a lot of different. Um, references to sneezing and most of them approach it from that angle because it was it was actually scientifically biologically recognized as an involuntary reaction the only way they could explain it was to be some supernatural reason and that that is sort of an interesting uh, look into the observational awareness of human beings even when they didn't have the scientific acumen to understand what was going on they were still observant enough to realize that this is an involuntary thing that all human beings are doing and we have to come up with a reason for why this is happening. Yeah, it's, I mean, they they did have the quote in quite a few articles from Aristotle, um, who is also asking, why do we regard sneezing as divine but not coughing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which... <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, that is a kind of a good you question. You can make yourself cough anytime you want, bro. This, that's <laughs> There's nothing divine about that. Try to make yourself sneeze. Only which, gods can do that. <laughs> which begs the question, were the the philosophers at the time, whenever they were upset at someone being like, play <coughs> 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I I did see that they, there's like the theory, because they did, you know, in um, Greek, ancient Greek culture, they would say like, you know, the gods, whatever, um, have blessed you or <clears throat> whatever when somebody would sneeze. But 
they think that like Pope Gregory the first during the plague, right? Yeah. Like suggested saying God bless you. Yeah, because there was, and this goes back to the other, the almighty power that humans reveal themselves to, to not have control over the world. When the plague's going on and all of the prayers and everything else you're doing isn't stopping people from dying <laughs> all over the place and entire towns disappearing from the map because everyone in the town died. Um, it was kind of just an, an appeal to hope <laughs> that the Pope was doing like, well, uh, none of the other interventions are working. So at least uh, just say God bless you to anyone who sneezes because that might be their last breath. They might actually be dying. It's a sign that they got the plague. We don't, one, we don't have any interventions to stop it. But two, there's just not enough priests to go around giving all these people last rites to make sure they're in the he- getting into heaven. So he's kind of uh, deputizing the public to somehow like give a bastardized version of blessings upon other people just in case they die before there's there's an actual priest or someone who come over and and pray over their body on their on their deathbed was there some family that had a dad who is a hardcore Catholic and he was like, no, I will not be blessing anybody. That's not for me to be doing. <laughs> it doesn't like, count please. unless it's from the priest. <laughs> Jedediah is dying. <laughs> will you please say bless you? No, <laughs> this, this fucking woke Pope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes me wonder what do, what does the right wing think of the plague? Because they, they definitely think that, um, well, the religious right, I guess. They definitely think that vaccines shouldn't be done. and uh, I mean, you know, obviously, we survived like the plague without vaccines. But what is their excuse for the plague happening? Because it's well known that it's because of unsanitary conditions and like the rats and everything. Uh, I thought you know? it was well known that we had turned our backs on God and we had to flagellate okay. ourselves in the streets until you would take the pestilence away. <laughs> hey, I love an all-powerful God that is outside of time, yet needs you to hit yourself on the back for look, four hours. Look, it's mysterious ways. <laughs> we don't have to understand it. We just have to follow it blindly. I don't understand his world, but he is a part of He's mine. He's a part of mine. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, man. Well, those are all my sneezing thoughts. Did you have any other sneezing thoughts? Did I no, did we I, skip uh, anything? Sneezed it all out. <laughs> oh, one one thing. Um, the uh, the cutting edge development or the the most recent advancement on this has to do with the understanding of the those fine cilia hairs and the cellular membranes inside your nose, there's a certain percentage of people that have like chronic sinusitis, which is basically they don't have the ability to sneeze or what would cause a normal person to sneeze to expel the stuff that might be causing them problems, allergens in their nose, viruses, whatever. They, their body doesn't have that reaction. And they've noticed now that they they did the cellular study on the cilia that in a normal in uh, normal conditions, 
when you stimulate a petri dish full of those cells that have the cilia on them when you stimulate them with like blowing air or dust on them they'll start those hairs start waving like crazy and it's not just a short involuntary waving to stimulate the sneeze response they continue to wave for like seven to ten minutes after whenever the sneeze would happen and essentially the way they're working is like a Roomba they completely reorganize all of their locations inside of your nose and the those little hairs are brushing away everything on the inside so the sneeze initiates a complete reorganization of all of the cellular structure inside your nose and they brush away everything with those hairs and then repopulate themselves in a different matrix arrangement than they were before. So what that has to do with the people with sinusitis, they've noticed that those people who have chronic sinusitis, they cannot, um, when when their cells are stimulated with dust or uh, air or whatever, the hairs don't flap. They don't get stimulated. They don't start the brushing process. They don't do the rearrangement inside of the nose. And so there is now progression on developing pharmaceuticals that would then either cause those cilia to be stimulated or bypass those cilia to create a uh, sneezing response in an individual whose cilia do not flap. So it's kind of a the cutting edge of where this is going, we're going to have actual therapeutics that instead of people thinking that they just have really bad allergies all the time and they can never stop having their nose run and all this, but they never sneeze or never have like the actual, the other response to help them get over it. They'll actually have therapeutics and pharmaceuticals that will be developed that can directly address this cellular response and sort of correct that issue with them. So that's kind of the huh. cool thing that I that I found on the tail end of the research. Yeah, that is interesting. <clears throat> um, so it's essentially like a QR code in your nose. Yeah. Well, and, th- and that's another thing like nobody knew until like the last seven years that a sneeze actually causes another thing that goes on for minutes after the sneeze happens and there's this entire <laughs> cellular matrix of organization that's going on in your nose and it completely reorganizes itself after the sneeze <laughs> that's so wild i wonder man that i don't know if you saw but that woman that had um she sneezed for like 47 years straight Oh yeah, I I heard about that. I I didn't look into it, but she like started what in like the eighties or something or the seventies. Yeah, it was, and when it started, she was sneezing at least once a minute. And you can't sneeze minute. when you're asleep. Yeah. So either she was having her body was waking up so that she could sneeze, meaning maybe she didn't sleep, <laughs> which that would be awful. Or somehow she was packing all these those sneezes into like uh, the twelve waking hours of the day. <laughs> like, would you would you opt for a surgery to just snip that nerve? <laughs> like, man, see that's the other thing. We're learning now with how much the that sort of 
matrix of nerves is like a net and it's all intertwined with other stuff. I don't know if you can just snip one part of it and and uh, disassociate it from the rest of the response. Like you'd have to probably cut a lot of places. Yeah. I don't know. That God, that would suck. Like, I, Can you I, imagine like trying to swim or something? Right. Like, you know, like there's like the main nerves that go to different muscle groups and you can like do a cortisone shot or whatever. If that was, if like a certain one's acting up and it'll cause it to stop freaking out and relieve you from pain for a little while. Like if it's in your knee or your hip or your back, but I, with how, how dense that network of nerves is, I don't know if you could just even give yourself like a cortisone shot up in your nose or something like that to to stop the nerve from firing. Yeah, man. I don't know. Um, and I also wonder, how did they measure it near the end? Because if they're getting stretched out longer and longer, if she sneezes a week apart. Yeah, yeah. What is the what is the streak? That. Does she have to sneeze every day to keep the streak alive? If she skips one day, does the streak go away? I would say Yes. So is it yes. like she was chronically sneezing and became famous and then she had to like keep a tally for the rest of her <laughs> life to be like, I'm maintaining this world record. I promise I sneezed. I promise today There's I so had much one. money in it. Right. And then like she's it's like one day it's like 1158 p.m. She hasn't sneezed yet. She's doing everything she can. She's snorting cayenne pepper through <laughs> anything. Just get me one. I got to mean she's the Cal Ripken of sneezing. She can't let this go. <laughs> uh well yeah maybe maybe that's why she stopped kevin costner slept with her husband yeah yeah they they wouldn't give her the day off after kevin costner beat the shit out of her (laughs) (laughs) all right man well that's all i got until next week bye